Uh, while we're here, I want you all to look around, find someone so you don't know, look them right in the eyes, and introduce yourself. Go for it. Introverts love this, by the way. We love this. But look around, find someone, take a minute that you don't know. Introduce yourself. Say hello. You don't have to tell them your whole life story. Just say hello. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Jason. I'm trying to look each and every one of you in the eyes. So it's wonderful to see you all today. Um, today, well, last week, I should say, we took some time and we walked through the parable of the sower at Life Center, our campuses. And the scripture that we read was from John 14, where Jesus describes good soil. Everyone say good soil. Good soil. He describes good soil as those who both hear and accept his word and then walk in his ways. And today's parable is all about a single word. If I was to give it a defining word, I'd give the word would be transition. Everyone say transition. If you don't know, I'll get you to talk back a little bit and that's okay. Transition is this really unique thing that we find ourselves living through. And today I want to talk about a transition perhaps that you are in in your life or that you maybe have gone through in your life or you are about to go into in your life. I want to talk about a transition here at the campus, and I also want to talk about a global transition. We've all now have just, the, the pandemic is not over, but we are living through a season of global transition. These do not happen all the time. Uh, they are actually very divinely orchestrated, not that God created or caused the pandemic, I'm not saying that, but he is using it for significant purpose. Transitions are vital. They are key for you and I to continue to grow in what God has for us. If we do not grow through a transition, we experience in our lives something called arrested development. We stop where we know. How many of you know that you can grow older, but you don't grow up? It's an important thing in all of our lives. And so in the middle of the chapter where today's parable is found are six words that I think all honest Christ followers desire to hear one day. And this is the text, Matthew 25, verse 21. These are the six words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Every honest Christ follower wants to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And sometimes in life, to continue following Jesus, all we need is a nudge. A very small transition. You're reading God's word and you have an attitude correction. Has he ever been reading the Bible and it begins to read you? Begins to correct something in maybe how you're seeing or how you're speaking or your attitude? It's a little bit of a ring, right? Is there a little bit of a ring? I don't know if y'all can hear that. Don't worry. We have the best of the best in Colin and we will work it out. It's all good. Do you mean to switch microphones? Don't give him a minute. He's got to get this. I'm going to keep it right here. Okay, is that better? So it turns out the problem... This is not a new occurrence in my life, by the way, that the problem is me. That is okay. Well, again, sometimes in life, to continue following Jesus, all we need is a nudge. All we need is a new microphone. All we need is a little bit of a direction, like eat the mic and everything will be okay. But other times what we need is a sizable transition. And transitions are designed by God to lead us from where we are to where God has us, desires us next. 
Terry Walling says this, that a transition is a defined period of time where one phase of an individual, I would add Christ followers, development ends and another phase needs to begin. And a transition represents that in-between time. Transitions move Christ followers from somewhere to somewhere else. And somewhere else is where God needs you to be, is designed you to be. The scripture says that he has prepared works in advance for you and I to walk in. And so sometimes to get us from where we are to where he needs us to be, there needs to be a transition. And a sizable transition can also, they can provide clarity in our direction. They can shift our paradigms where all of a sudden we see things and we understand things in a different way. They can advance our influence in ministry, which always is this deeper, there's this journey of God. A transition is designed by God to lead us deeper into him. Forward in God is always deeper. If, God, if you want God to extend your influence, he's going to take you deeper into him, which means dying to ourselves, allowing him to move deeper in us, which can expand our influence out. And so while on earth, Jesus speaks about the ultimate transition, an eternal transition, which is applicable to each one of us. And the story that we're going to read in just a moment, I think, is equal parts sobering as it is significant. To tell this story, Jesus uses sheep and goats. Sheep and goats are often herded together. Yet they are separated as goats are milked and sheep are sheared. Goats butt everything and sheeps follow. Sheeps, as Jesus says, they wander, yes, but they are still open to being carried back home. Goats, not so much. But, 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 just banging heads all the time. In the story that we're going to read in just a moment, placing the sheep on his right is a sign of favor. It's not earned. It's this gift of grace. And placed on the left in the context signifies judgment. Before reading this weighty story that Jesus shares of the ultimate transition for every single human being, Every single one on planet Earth breathing air is going to experience this transition, even past, I should say, present and future. But before reading it, I want to read this quote from Scott Sauls, who says these words, which I think are helpful for framing. He says, I believe that there will be three surprises for all of us when we get to heaven. First, we may be surprised to discover that some who were known in this world as good people are not there. Second, we will be surprised that others who were known as bad people are there. And I think the third one represents the heart of a Christ follower. And when we've all been given the chance to see Jesus face to face in all of his glory, we will be surprised that we are there. It is this recognition that it is but by the grace of God that we are saved, plus nothing in ourselves. Yet from salvation, you and I see the world differently. We live in the world differently because our heart no longer just beats with our own interest. It begins to beat with the interests of the Father. Understanding that and framing that, now let's read. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then, everyone say then. Yeah. Notice what Jesus said, when. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, 
in the fullness of who he is, not just in mere human form where he was despised and rejected. No, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, in the fullness, holding nothing back, and all the angels with him, then, this is a transition moment, when and then is the language of transitions. Then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations. Everyone say, all nations. All nations, not just those here or there, all nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, receive your inheritance, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Very important words here. It says, then the righteous. Everyone say, the righteous. Okay, the righteous, not because of what they've done, but because of the work of the Son, and they have heard it, and they accepted it. And they're righteous. We'll answer him saying this, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, as you did to those whose society overlooked, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me, Jesus says. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. Not well done, good and faithful servant. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you didn't do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the ultimate weighty story from Jesus. This morning as I walked out of my home, before I got into my vehicle, my dog was doing what my dog needed to do in the morning. But as I stood there, and again, I looked at all the neighborhoods, like all the houses in my circle, in my neighborhood. I took time to begin to pray, understanding that each and every one of them will stand before a righteous judge. You know, I've often thought when we live in the world, we look at the world in which you and I live one of the words that we have for this time and this season, it is, it is unjust. That, in other words, not everything is equally applied to individuals as it should. This can be between individuals. This be, can be between ethnicities. It can be between genders. Oftentimes, if somebody is innocent but yet falsely accused of something, the deepest cry of their heart is, is the judge righteous? Are they just? Are they a good judge? 
In other words, can I trust that they are trustworthy in this manner? Or do they have a bias? Are they bought it? Are they unrighteous? Are they unjust? When it comes to our Heavenly Father, here's what I want you to know. There is no one righteous like our God. Oftentimes from our human perspective, we can read stories and parables like this and we can wrestle with God. I don't think that's fair. But how many of you know that when it comes to God, he doesn't do what's fair. He does what's loving. He goes beyond what you and I can think, ask, or imagine. It is that much higher. And this is, again, a weighty story from Jesus, whether sheep or goats. Something Jesus wants us to know that I think is critical is this, that he both knows us and he notices what we do. This is something that is weighty in our life, that Jesus knows whether we are sheep or whether we are goats, and he does notice what we do. We can feel as though God doesn't see or God doesn't care, but these are things that we can feel deeply, but they are not truthful. Just because you feel it doesn't make it true. Yes, your feelings are true. I admit you're feeling that, but it doesn't mean it's leading you into truth about who God is. To carry the weightiness or to carry the weight of this well, there are two understandings I think that we need to embrace, particularly in times of transition. And they would be situational clarity, and then the second one would be sovereign perspective. When I was 16 years of age, I did what many 16-year-olds do. I went to get my driver's license. I studied for the, excuse that, that was a lie. I read the book I was supposed to read for the written test. I passed it in Jason Boucher style, like just like two above or one above the cut line, but I passed, okay? That was my deepest stress. Am I going to pass that written test? Passed. Then I walked over to this device and the individual behind the counter on Walkley Road told me to look into this device and I was going to have an eye test. So I put my face into the eye test and I waited. And all I heard was a stamp, bum, bum, and I was just waiting. And then the person behind the counter said to me, you failed. I didn't even know the test started. <laughs> you failed. Why did I fail? Go get your eyes checked. Turns out I was nearsighted. In other words, I couldn't see things in the distance. So the test started. I just couldn't see because it was too far away. But here's the thing. I had no idea that my vision was impaired. None. I just assumed that this is how everybody saw the world. Because what had happened to my vision was not in one day. It was gradual, little by little by little by little by little. But I will tell you, the moment I went to the optometrist and they put correct, before they put the contacts in my eyes, you know when you look into that thing and they begin to put the corrective lens over? Yeah. All of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I had no, I, no idea that this, I could see with this level of clarity. No idea. but it took a corrective lens to be placed over my eye for me to see in a manner in which God designed. 
Loved ones, do not despise the Lord's corrective lens over your heart or over your life in a season. It is not meant to harm you. It is meant to heal you. It is meant to do something different. Seasons of transition. You know you've entered into a transition if you've experienced prolonged seasons of restlessness. Anyone ever experienced that? Restlessness. Self-doubt. Diminished confidence. A lack of direction. Feeling distant from God. A lack of effectiveness. Again, the key to a transition is not a bad week or a bad month. This has been going on and on and on. In transition, God intensifies our desire. This is an interesting thing that God begins to do. He intensifies our desires so that we would hunger for something different. And in the midst of it, we become to be dissatisfied with where we are. And it is that dissatisfaction that drives us deeper into hungering for what God wants. It is uncanny how uh, when someone transitions to being a follower of Christ, while the circumstances are vastly different, the spirit moving on their hearts drawing them, creating curiosity and questions is actually remarkably similar. And as we listen to the words of Jesus today, watch how the sheep in the story respond to Jesus when he says that he knows and he notices all they are doing. It says this, then the righteous will answer him. We've just read this saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you in a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison. The interpretation here that we can see in the text is following Jesus always leads to you and I seeing and living and doing life differently as sheep. We are never perfect, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because we are the righteousness of God, because we have received this gift of grace, then we don't go around looking at people in the same way. We begin to minister to others. Why? From this place of love and gratitude of everything that Jesus has done in our hearts and in our lives. If you as a follower of Christ, if you have no desire to serve anyone else, I'm not saying you're not a follower of Jesus. I'm just saying you become really dull. Really dull. And sometimes God is going to, in love, lead you into a transition where you're going to be dissatisfied with things that once satisfied you. Like the Netflix shows or the doing this or the doing that. The things that used to give you life sometimes no longer give you life. And sometimes it is this correction of God applied to our hearts and lives to create discomfort to lead us from where we are to where he desires us next. Loved ones, Jesus is doing a global pruning of his church. He is leading us from being completely unsatisfied with things that we once thought were great. It's not that they were or they weren't and we need to criticize them. It's simply they had their time, but God has something else for us. And sometimes, if he doesn't make us thirsty, we will never actually look for a different drink or a deeper drink. This is the way oftentimes that God begins to lead and sheep follow their great shepherd. As we said a moment ago, Jesus said, I am the great shepherd. And we know that sheep even wander away and they get lost. But when they are lost... They allow the great shepherd to carry them home. Not that the great shepherd comes and chastises them home. He carries them home. It is all grace. 
followers of Christ, people who are sheep, who have had their eyes open to who God is in this revelation of grace, begin to ask questions like, God, who are you and who am I in light of who you, who you are and how do you see me and what is my purpose and can you use my life? Like these corrective lenses being placed on our eyes in Christ, we look at the same world, but we see it and we do things quite differently. That you can stand shoulder to shoulder and you can be doing the exact same thing, but as a Christ follower, your motivation is different from the one who doesn't know Jesus. So you can be both be serving the needy, and one is doing it because it's a good thing to do, and you as a Christ follower doing it because of what God has done for you, and you're doing it as an act of worship. And how we serve others, Jesus says, I know when I notice, and it matters. That worship is not just when Jin or Danielle lead us today. It doesn't end when they do it. Worship is the totality of our lives. And yes, we can do similar things, but the motivation of our hearts is dramatically different when you and I are Christ followers. It is this place of worship. Every part of our lives is worship unto who God is. And everyone said, or whatever you want to say. Sheep never earn salvation, but from love and gratitude they serve. And in serving others, we see and we serve Jesus. And again, see how Jesus notices how we love and serve those who can't help themselves personally. So for sheep, here's all I'm saying is situational clarity. God, what are you doing in my life? And if you're in your late teens to your 30s, maybe you're wrestling through calling. God, how do you want to use my life? If you're in your 30s and 40s, you're probably in a season, maybe in your 50s, where you're working out, Lord, of all the things that I could do, what would you have me do? And perhaps if in your 60s to your 80s, you're beginning to pray with God, with all that you've done in my life, how do I impart this to someone else? How do I give this away? How do I give what you have taught me, what you've done in my life how do I give this to somebody else these are these big transitions that we all go through in life but for sheep situational clarity always leads to sovereign perspective Job in Job 42 verse 6 when he sees God he says I despise myself and I repent as dust in dust and ashes Manoah in Judges 13 22 when Manoah captures a glimpses of, of God he says to his wife we shall surely die for we have seen God in his fullness and his glory and his holiness shepherds in Luke chapter 2 verse 9 as the glory the Lord appears to the shepherds, they become sore afraid. And Peter, in Luke chapter 5, verse 7, after Jesus reveals a glimpse, everyone say a glimpse. Just a glimpse of his power and his authority by providing a miraculous catch of fish. Simon Peter says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Oh, when I look at you and you look at me, we may not see our sin, but when we look into the righteousness of everything that our holy God is, we see ourselves differently. In other words, situational clarity is not just self-definition. It's not just a personality test. It's not just discovering who I am. For followers of Jesus who are sheep, yes, it's important to figure out your personality or your gifts or your wiring or your all of these things. Those are good things. But the more you, for followers of Christ who are sheep, it isn't just, God, how have you wired me? It is not just an inward journey. It is an inward journey that leads us to see Jesus in a brand new way. It is sovereign clarity. God, situational clarity leads us to sovereign perspective. Lord, how do you see my life? How do you see my marriage? How do you see my family? How do you see this church? How do you see this city? How do you see the nation? I don't care if you see it left or you see it right. That's not the most important perspective to followers of Jesus. Isn't left or is it right? It is God. How do you see this world? How do you see what you're doing? How do you see my neighborhood? It is this cry in the heart of sheep, not just for self-definition 
but for sovereign perspective. Lord, what are you doing in my 20s? What are you doing in my teens? What are you doing in my 30s? What are you doing in my 50s? I'm going to be 50 next year. What are you doing in my 50s? What are you doing in my 80s? There's no retirement, by the way, in the kingdom of God. That is a secular word. Because God has a purpose. Until you stop breathing air, until you stop sucking air, you have purpose in his kingdom. You have value in his kingdom. Every single one of us. For sheep, situational clarity always leads to sovereign perspective. Yet goats, according to Jesus, the key defining aspect of a goat is that they never open their hearts to sovereign perspective. They never ask the question, God, what are you doing? They only think of themselves. They never transition into a relationship with God. So they never see the world like Jesus. The central issue for goats, according to Jesus, is they never consider him at all. This is what defines them as goats. This is why in this story, Jesus says to the sheep, come, and to the goats, depart. Goats never give him food. Goats never welcome or clothe him. Goats, while sick and in prison, they never visit him at all. In other words, what is Jesus saying? He is not saying sheep earn salvation by doing all these good things, And goats don't earn salvation because they didn't do enough good things. That is not the heart of the gospel whatsoever. No, the heart of the gospel. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. There are people who don't know Jesus that are kinder than a lot of people who know Jesus. There are people who don't know Jesus who are more generous than us who know Jesus. I am glad that it's not based on our merit. It is based on the work of the cross. Yet what Jesus is saying is goat is not defined by who helped and who didn't. Goat is defined what does Jesus say. And clearly here is they paid no attention to Jesus, no affection towards Jesus. They never even saw or thought to consider him. And so on earth, they end up before him. And in eternity you will continue to follow the God or the idol you've chosen on earth. For me, a helpful definition regarding the judgment of God is from Christopher J.H. Wright, who says this, In the end, when you submit to the idol of self, self eventually comes to rule over you. God's judgment simply gives us to the gods we choose, which is where God simply says, Depart. Continue to follow the one that you are serving because the one that you were serving was not me. Many Canadians, when we sing our national anthem, when it says, God, keep our land, it is not Yahweh in whom they are thinking. It is just taking his name in vain. But sheep, it is different. It can become a prayer. Lord, when you look at our diverse nation with all of its injustice, how do you want to move and how do you want to use my life to make a Jesus-sized difference? Obviously, in the story we've read today, Jesus is speaking about the ultimate transition in life. Yet there are others. Research actually says that you and I will go through between 6 to 12 different transitions in our lives where God will begin to stir our hearts and his plan for us. Have you ever been through one? You ever been through a season where God begins to take you from where you are to somewhere else? What did we just sing in worship today? We sang one of the most dangerous worship songs you could ever sing. 
Every time, every time I hear it on a Sunday, I'm not kidding you right here. I always pause and say, do I want to sing this as a prayer? I will make room for you. Yeah, to do whatever you want. See, I like the prayer, Lord, I'll make room for you. I want you to do what I want you to do. Ah, I'll make room for you to do whatever you want to do. So today we're talking about you. We're talking about us. And we're talking about the world in which we're in. See, simultaneously, you may not be in a transition, but we're, as the campus, about to go into a transition, but the whole world is in a transition. These are unique moments in time where God begins to shift people for a divine purpose. He does. And sometimes we make a decision to change, and other times someone makes a decision which means change is coming to us. And so Life Center Canada, we find ourselves at a moment of transition. Pastor Terry's been praying for a while and pursuing some things within his heart. God's been wrestling in him for a season of change, of, of dissatisfaction, of where he is to where God is leading him. And here's what I want you to know. Pastor Terry is transitioning but he's not leaving the campus, but he's transitioning. If it makes no sense, I'll invite him up to explain. Yes, yes. Thanks, Pastor Jason. Well, announcements like these are never easy, so I'll get right to the point. <laughs> yes, uh, I am stepping down from my uh, position as campus pastor here at uh, Life Center. Uh, as I've made the decision to uh, transition careers at this point in my life. Uh, and I've accepted an offer to become a, a police officer with the Ottawa Police. Uh, which is, I'll explain, I'll explain, let me explain. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is fulfilling uh, a personal dream of, I've had and I've carried in me for many, many years. So this announcement obviously is going to come as a shock and a surprise to you. And probably comes out of left field for for many of you. But for me, uh, it's been about a, about a 10 year, a decade long uh, wrestle uh, through wrestling through my calling, you know, and understanding where God wants me to be and where he wants me to serve in his kingdom. And uh, yeah, policing has been a dream of mine for, for many, many years. And it stems from a desire to get outside of the four walls of the church and become more active in my community as a follower of Jesus. You know, I have a yearning, like a real strong desire to uh, bring light into dark places. Uh, but at the same time, I love the local church. I love it, I have loved every moment of it. And I believe in it with all of my heart. So what I wanna do, what the dream I've had is to, to work in those dark places, to be in those dark places, but at the same time, I wanna give my gifts and use my experiences and my skills to give to the local church um, as best as I can, but be more bivocational uh, as, a, as a more of a volunteer pastor or a volunteer leader uh, in the church while I work outside of the church um, for my sort of day job, so to speak. I want you to know uh, that this decision was not made lightly. Uh, I spent many years uh, praying and discerning God's will for me and my family, uh, but I have a piece about this, a piece about stepping, 
uh, through this door that I believe God has opened for me at this time of my life that he hasn't opened in years past. So now here's the part that really excites me personally. Uh, with Pastor Jason and Pastor Lori's blessing, uh, my family and I are going to continue to attend and serve here at Life Center and at this campus specifically. We believe, thank you. We believe so much in this church at Life Center. Like, I believe with all my heart in this church. And we don't want to be anywhere else but here at this place. In fact, my wife said to me that she, the only way that she would bless this decision is if we stayed at Life Center. So we're staying. We're staying. So I'll be stepping away for a season to uh, fulfill my training, but after that, I just can't wait to serve alongside you uh, and be in the community with you uh, the days to come. So I want to thank Pastor Jason, Pastor Lori, for being the best pastors in the world, uh, to both me personally and this church. Your encouragement and support in this season um, is just more evidence that you practice what you preach. When you say that this is a church that is built on Christ's love, you mean it. And you, 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 you show evidence with, it, with, your, with your life. I also want to thank you for the opportunity that I've had to serve you and to serve alongside you uh, these past years. And I just can't wait to see. I believe that God's got something big in store. Everything that I've preached about this, uh, you know, about this campus, this church, I mean it with all my heart that God has big things in store. And I just can't wait to be part of it and to see what God is going to do. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you and we love you. Mm -hmm.